Their thoughts were only evil all the time. This is how humanity is described in the days of Noah. Warnings were issued, prophecy was ignored, light was replaced by dark, and humanity gave itself completely to sin, going so far as to lie with fallen angels and produce the abominable Nephilim, tainting their blood itself. With the world having chosen Satan, with creation abandoning its creator, God was grieved he'd ever created mankind and decided their evil could no longer continue. Humanity and the Nephilim would be destroyed forever. It seemed the end of the world, yet not all hope was lost. For there was one man who stayed true to God throughout this turbulent time. One man who kept his family on the straight and narrow as all around them fell to evil. His name was Noah, and he was humanity's last best hope. Hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of The Paradigm Switch, where we discuss modern-day problems for modern-day Christians. By sharing our personal triumphs and struggles in our faith walk, we hope to offer encouragement for you to continue yours. The Bible says we are new creatures in Christ, but in order to be different, we first have to think different. We hope you enjoy the episode. Hello, everybody. You are listening to The Paradigm Switch, where we encourage our heavenly family in Christ to renew their minds and think right side up. We are the best Christian podcast out there. I'm going to speak that into existence, that we are the best Christian podcast out there. We are on Facebook. We're on Instagram. Like, follow, and share. Oh, the comment section's going to blow up after that. <laughs> no, we are putting it out there. We are speaking that into existence. The Bible says that um, life and death is in the power of the tongue, so we have to confess good things that we want in life. So I'm confessing that The Paradigm Switch is the best Christian Christian podcast out there. So I'm your host, Avon, and I'm with my co-host, Alex. Hello, everybody. And we are continuing with episode eight of the flood judgment on our greater series, The Days of Noah. And today we are talking about the flood judgment and what I would say, the mercy judgment. And so you might say, how is judgment mercy? But we'll get into that. And so let's give a greater recap over everything that we've been discussing during this series. We've been talking about from from the prophecy that was set at um, Genesis 3.15, that God would send his champion to redeem mankind once mankind fell. And this was a continuation of the spiritual warfare between God and the kingdom of darkness. And so Satan brought about his, one of his fallen angels to lie with man because man had now, now fallen during this time period and they created a hybrid creation called the Nephilim. That was the last episode we went over. The Nephilim, or as the Bible describes them as giants, that they were a half-breed of fallen angels, demons, mixed with humankind. I know that is just mind-blowing, but it's in the Word. And Alex and I lay down the case that these were fallen angels that lay down with humans in Genesis 6, and that we lay down the facts that these giants were Nephilim that are mentioned also in Genesis 6. So if you didn't listen to that, go back to our previous episodes to understand how we laid out the facts biblically and to understand. So today we are going over the judgment that God pronounced also in Genesis 6 during the days of Noah, that he would flood the world. And we're going over the days of Noah because it was prophesied when Jesus, um, by Jesus in Matthew, what was it, Matthew 24? Matthew 24. That the, as the days of Noah were, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. Now, if Jesus is saying, before I come back, it's going to be like the days of Noah. We got to understand what the days of Noah were like. Exactly. So we've been going through that through this whole series, and we are coming to the crown part of the judgment that happened. So the goal today is to continue talking about it. And I put, continue talking about the mercy judgment. Yeah, that's, okay, so I will jump in here and say, the flood is one of these 
uh, events that a lot of unbelievers have issue with when it comes to Christianity because, you know, Christianity, it, it's taught God is a God of love, a God of mercy, a God of grace, and here he is wiping out all of humanity, basically. Yeah. And so they say, how can you possibly say God is a God of love and mercy when he literally kills everybody except for eight people? Yeah. Now, what's your opinion when people say that? I mean, I understand where this comes from yeah. because on the surface, if, if you hear, oh, God killed all these humans, he left eight people. Mm-hmm. It sounds like, oh my goodness, this is like a bad guy. He's like really angry. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you have to understand the deeper things that are going on in this time period, what led up to all of this. Um, and we will lay that out today about why this is not a judgment of rage, why it is a judgment uh, to save humanity uh, compared to what could have happened otherwise. And so what I'm not, when I hear about the flood judgment, I hear of God uh, having to perform heroic measures. Oh, it's I like that. It's a medicine. Heroic measures to save humanity from uh, ultimate death, basically. Mm-hmm. And he- uh, heroic measures are often very invasive. They are very unpleasant. There are some bad things that can happen during them, but they're supposed to save the life of the individual at the very end. And that is what the flood judgment did. It saved the life of humanity at its end, even though the treatment to get there was extremely, uh, it seems harsh. Or radical. It was, it, it was uh, radical. Um, it was extreme. You know, I think, like you said before, especially the, I'm saying this in quotation, the Christianity God that's in the New Testament, you know, it's this God of love, God of mercy, you know, the one that says don't judge and stuff. They don't understand that is the same God that is also present in the Old Testament. There is a balance between the two. And God, like any other person, has many hats, many roles that they play. Like, I'm Avon. I'm an employee at a company, but I also wear the hat as a son. I wear the hat as a brother. I have different roles that I fit into. God has a different role that he has to now deal with or wear or put on as judge because his creation is now in total chaos and is in total total disarray that he now has to put back in order. And I don't think people like to recognize God's role as the judge of the universe. That is a hat that he has to wear, and he has to fulfill that role. That's true. He is. And I think that is often overlooked by a lot of people. As you say, the, quote, God of the New Testament is all about turn the other cheek. He's about forgiveness. He's about love and grace and mercy. Um, Jesus was there, though. That's the big difference, really, Mm -hmm. because there, uh, as you said, God is a judge. In the Old Testament, there was no Jesus. So the judgment was on people. Uh, but in the New Testament, the the judgment was Jesus. He died yeah. for everybody. And and so this is where the, quote, transition occurs. It's this one event that bridges the gap between the two. Um, but make no mistake, you know, God is perfect. And God is a judge, as you said. And in this case, uh, he had to wear the judgment hat. And so... I like how we you like to uh, talk about this as a, a kingdom, God's kingdom. So think of it this way. So God is the king of earth, or of the world, of the universe. And humanity is like his, his servants, his people. And humanity in Genesis 3 decided that they were going to not listen to God. In the modern world, we would call that rebellion. We would call that treason, okay? The penalty for treason is often death, many societies. Uh... 
And so God as king, he has to respond to this rebellion, to this treason that is going on. And this is where the judgment comes in. His people, humanity, did wrong. So logically, we would expect them to face justice for this. And in this case, the justice was the flood. And we will talk about why it had to be a flood in, in just a moment. But what do you think about that? No, I think you laid it out very well. You know, God has to maintain order. I mean, imagine... I think it's, it's so funny that we try to criticize God on how to be God. Oh, it's, it's, <laughs> it's like... very It's very interesting that we criticize, this is how God should work this out, and this is how I believe that God should be doing it. And mind you, you have only been on this earth, I'm just going to average it, for 30, 35 years. You've been on this earth for 35 years. You've been in existence for only 35 years. God doesn't have a time on how long... He's been, he's been existing before existence existed. The gall <laughs> for people to say that God should behave in a certain way, that, that really speaks of an arrogance. I think in that person to say something like that like it is crazy to me yeah. that, that as you said you know at best you know 30 35 years maybe younger than that and you're trying to tell the creator of the universe what to do like are you kidding me <laughs> exactly so okay let's jump into it so let's read the judgment so we lay down the scripture so we're reading from the bible um when god says what god says um in genesis 6 11 13 and i have to say about this because like how we said that people want to say that god is mean god is you know harsh and stuff People just jump to the part where God said, I'm going to flood everything. You know? Oh, yes. There, but there's they, an important part that comes before that. Yes, there is a whole other bunch of scriptures that said, man did this, man did this, man did this. And then so God responded this way. God would not have responded that way if only man had done right. Yeah, no, it's true. And this is a little bit off topic, but you can look at Sodom and Gomorrah for this, where you know, he, God says, I'm going to blow up these two cities because they're very evil. And Abraham says, well, will you spare them for the sake of a hundred people? And God says, yes. And they keep going down all the way to the sake of 10 people. And he would have spared Sodom and Gomorrah. But um, there was none. But there, there were not 10 to be found, unfortunately. So, but, but that shows God is merciful, even if he has to have judgment on people. Now let's, uh, let's talk about Genesis six. Uh, I will read that Genesis six eleven. So now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on the earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I am going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both of them in the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood, make rooms in it, and coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how you are to build it. The ark is to be 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide, and 30 cubits high. Make a roof for it, leaving below the roof of an opening of one cubit high all around. Put a door in the side of the ark and make lower, middle, and upper decks. I am going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens, every creature that has the breath of life in it. Everything on earth will perish, but I will establish my covenant with you, and you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. You are to bring into the ark two of all living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you to have every kind of bird, of every kind of animal, and of every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. You are to take every kind of food that is to be eaten and store it away as food for you and for them. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. All right, so let's jump into, like we were already kind of topping, talking about how we feel about the fact that judgment came. And Alex, you have the points first. I'm going to let you go first. Yes, so we talked about how I feel about the flood. And I said it is a heroic treatment to... Per, uh, save humanity <clears throat> so there are a few things that are going on here so first of all in the scripture we just 
read. God says, I have to uh, have this judgment, but I'm going to save the righteous people. This is the heroic treatment. We are going to get rid of all of this sin, all of this evil that is going on, and uh, and it is it is extreme. It is uh, it is a lot for us to think about, but but it has to go. But he didn't just do it just like that. Remember, okay? So from Genesis three, which is when Adam and Eve fell, to Noah, they're uh, almost two millennia, so sixteen hundred years. Centuries and centuries have passed, and the Bible tells us in Genesis six, uh, verse. Three, that that their days will be 120 years. So there are some people who might take that to think, oh, humans are only going to live 120 years because remember at this time they're living like 500, 600, 700, 800, 900 years. Yeah. But Bible scholars actually believe that this passage of Scripture says that there are going to be 120 years until the flood comes. So this is God saying... I am warning you, humanity. I'm telling you, in 120 years, if you don't turn it around, I'm going to have to judge you. That's actually a really long time. And it's a very long That's time. That's actually a really long time. It's not like God said 120 days, like we would say, you know, you got 120 days to get it together. God was like, I'll give you 120 years. That's a really long this time. It's a lifetime, yeah. So, And, and this, is, this is not the act of a God who is angry and of rage. This is an act of, of mercy. He's saying, I'm going to do this unless you mend your ways. He gave humanity an option turn away from this evil stuff and come back, and then presumably this would not have happened. Uh, but they chose not to do that, unfortunately. Furthermore, Second Peter 2.5 tells us that Noah is a preacher, that he was out preaching to the people that this was going to come, that they might be rescued from the impending flood if only they would repent. This just sounds familiar, right? This yeah. is a, God has done this with a lot of people. and It's sin, all over Scripture. It's all over Scripture. He sends prophets to say repent come back to me and i will take care of you and of course people don't listen um and this is what happened here humanity save for noah and his family ignored god and they ignored noah and they chose evil now if i'm if i remember correctly during this time period it says in the bible that it had never rained before so yes that's true it had never rained before so noah was warning them about an experience that was about to come on the earth that they had never known about and that's just like, you know, we can relate that to like the coming of Christ and all the things that happened in Revelation that the church is warning the world that something's coming that we have never experienced before. And so and even in, in the Gospels where and the prophets all warning Jesus is going to come. They don't believe that either. Exactly. It's just uh, it's amazing to me. And so that's why the people were I could see the people easily being like, you know, what is rain? Like, what are you talking about? Water's going to come from the <laughs> sky. And I think um, they actually said water would come back in the day. That's how the like crops got like fed. I guess water came from up from the earth. From or the something? earth. Yes, from the earth. So uh, geo. Uh, geologically speaking, climate, talking about climate, okay, so in the beginning of the world, as you said, there's no rain, and in fact, there were no seasons. The first seasons don't come about until Genesis 8, which we'll talk about a little bit later. So this is like tropical, think like um, the Amazon, but without the rain, instead it's like the water from the aquifers comes up, and this is how crops are monitored, you say, but it's like summertime, and it's like the greenhouse gases are trapping the heat in. It's like summer all the time, everywhere on Earth. And you're right. So these people, they've never heard of rain. Never heard of rain. Can you imagine? That's kind of weird to think <laughs> I about. I mean, yeah, that's a, that's a weird concept because we have what we think is our 
climate and what we think is normal, but you know, we, you know, we haven't been around forever. We don't know what quote unquote is normal for the earth. The earth has gone through many changes over the millenniums and years. So, to, so this is like telling us today that there is going to be a shower of meteors that is going to hit earth soon. Mm-hmm. This is not, nobody has seen a shower of meteors hit earth. We've seen the craters, but we've never seen showers of meteors. Hit. It'd be very hard to believe. Right. And so this is, I guess, what the equivalent is here. They're going to say, oh, water's coming down from the sky. What is this nonsense? Well, from there, I'm going to jump into my point of my opinion about judgment because I think it intersects in it. You know, people always want to focus, like I said before, on the judgment part. But, you know, I was actually listening to the message that you sent me a link for your pastor, and he talked about in the beginning of talking about Noah's Ark and everything. No one wants to talk about the fact that God gave an opportunity for yeah. people to be saved. Yeah, people just want to yeah. people just want to focus on the fact that God did a flooding. But people don't focus on the fact that God is a hero. He actually said, "I have to pronounce judgment because I'm a judge and I'm the ruler of the universe, but here I have created a lifeboat for yeah. you to escape from." When God uh commence judgment for lucifer and his angels as far as we know there was no lifeline for them it was judgment boom wham bam done jesus even said he fell like lightning like it was over quick and fast for mankind god has been so merciful for us that in his judgments he's always created a way out so and and he did and he did he told them 120 years he gave warning and as you said noah was preaching he was out there saying rain is coming rain is coming like y'all need to get it together but none of the people listen and so is that really god's fault that the people did not you know did not believe and you know some people might some people people have choices but some people might say you know well they didn't know now how is god going to blame them for something they didn't know but they did know it's just it it said well they're saying they never heard of rain that's is that their fault to not believe in something they didn't know about yeah, I mean, I mean, it's, I, it's like saying that ignorance is not an excuse, right? Yeah. So, uh, but 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 even if you don't believe in rain, you know, Noah is saying the world is going to flood, or God's bringing God judgment. is going to bring judgment mm-hmm. to the world. We don't know the exact wording he used, but okay, let's say if he used God is going to bring judgment, be, yeah, that's really clear. And you know, that's very explicit. And as big as that ark was, they had the opportunity. Like the people in that city who were around him, I'm sure they saw him working on that park oh, and sure they, they laughed yeah. and they thought he was like the weirdest thing. Made but it was too late once because the Bible says God closed the door. So God sealed off the opportunity for salvation. So I bet they didn't think it was real until that door shut and it was like no more hope. And then the other point I want to mention is, you know, in Genesis 6, 11 through 12, God says, according to my standard, they're doing evil. So that lets us know that what man thinks is right is right and wrong is irrelevant. Yes, it's very irrelevant because, you know, I bet the people who were sleeping with the fallen angels and creating these Nephilims and all that kind of stuff, they thought, you know, this is the way it is. But God's the one who creates the universe. He sets the standard. So if God says this is wrong, who are we to say, well, we think it's good. And that has a lot of application still today. Yeah, Yeah, it does. It does. (laughs) And, um... Now, how do we connect this all back to the Nephilim and everything we've been talking about with the fallen angels and stuff? Right. So earlier, I was making the point that sin had consumed humanity, and it was uh, sick, very sick. Uh, You add to that the corruption of the human bloodline because the human women are sleeping with fallen angels and creating these demonic hybrid Nephilim giants. And I have to say right there, not to cut you off— it's relevant to this point of judgment because it mentions it all in the same chapter that the humans were sleeping with the fallen angels. So it's all relevant to one another. Just want to throw that in. Yes, it does say that. And 
that is uh, that's a perversion. That should not be happening. And those are those people are lost. They are lost. And this was going to be the fate of all of humanity if God did not step in and save save it from itself. Mm-hmm. In this case, this is the this is why heroic measures are needed. If you only have think about the the world today. I, I don't know how many people live back then, but today seven and a half billion people about live on Earth. Can you imagine? Only eight people are healthy, and let's say the other seven point four nine nine nine. Um, two people have coronavirus and they're all going to die. That's what this is about. That's how serious this situation is. Um, Humanity was on the brink of extinction. Spiritually speaking, they were all going to die and they were all going to end up with Satan. And that would have been a defeat for God, to be quite honest. Mm -hmm. Uh, So he had to step in and say, I cannot allow this evil to uh, continue like this. It has to be stopped before humanity is lost forever. So... And going along with that, you know, the, t- the, the taintness of the blood or the DNA of mankind, that some say that's why also God chose Noah, is the fact that he had, he was one of the few or maybe in the last line that did not have corrupted DNA from, from, yeah, from, the, the, from the Nephilim interactions and stuff. Some say that's one of the reasons why. Could be. That could be. he was one of the chosen ones, because we know he, you know, no man was perfect. Uh, but he all, but also says that Noah uh, uh, had a heart for God mm-hmm. as well. So I think it may be that all the other humanity was tainted with demonic bloodlines. Uh, but it also, I think, that just sin also played a part in this too. Because if Noah's walking with the Lord, uh, that shows some choice uh, mm-hmm. of on the matter too. So I, I don't know. We don't know exactly. But, but what we do know is that this was not just some spur-of-the-moment thing from, from God. Yeah, and so I just want to say, just look at this from the grand, and I've been saying this whole time through the series, look at this from the greater picture of the spiritual warfare, warfare that's happening. That's, it's, it's, it's spiritually, there's a warfare between God and Satan. God has prophesied that I'm sending this champion that's going to save mankind. So now Satan's over here, well, this champion saving mankind is going to be my defeat. So if I block this champion from ever coming, I save myself from being defeated. So this is all just crossfire, sadly, mankind. <laughs> that's where the that's where the demonic fallen angels with human women come in. This is Satan's attempt to say, I will not allow God to bring his champion into the world because I'm going to corrupt all mankind. Exactly. With, with demonic genes. It's, oh my goodness. So it's, yeah, it was all of, I mean, it's all ploy. I mean, it's, it's not scripture saying like this is exactly the ploy of it all or the plot of it all. But if you kind of connect dots and kind of use kind of a spiritual imagination and seeing how this works out, you kind of see you see the spiritual implications that was going on behind the scenes. It's well, not- I mean, there's in like you said, there's other points to scripture where Satan attempts to get rid of all the males in society. I mean, the Egyptians murdering all the babies in Exodus, uh, King Herod murdering all the babies in Bethlehem when Jesus was born. So this is. It's not far-fetched to think that this is his strategy. It's just on a much more grander global uh, plane than it is in the more regional planes later. Uh, but that that's why we came to the conclusion we did. It was, yeah. ba- it was based on other areas of Scripture, like you said, connecting dots. It's not coming out of our heads just because. All right, so let's give a little um, background of who Noah is. So you want to go in who Noah was? 
Noah is able to, uh, we go, I talked earlier about how humanity is like treasonous subjects of the king, but Noah would be the loyalists who are still fighting for the king. And so when the time comes and the traitors are defeated, it's the loyalists who get rewarded Mm -hmm. and the loyalists who are going to continue to live. And that is what Noah is like in this story. Well, you know, I have, you know, I've been mentioning the Christian fiction books I've read and the one by Brian Gadawa. They had a book of Noah's account and it showed that Noah and the people who were with Noah were the last ones who worshiped Yahweh, the true God. All the other nations were into the demons that were walking on the earth and they would worship the Nephilim. They were worshiping false gods. So Noah and his clan were like the last ones who worshiped Yahweh. So it was really interesting to see kind of like the interaction as you said they were loyalists to the king the last few loyalists that were there so that that reminds me of that kind of that book so we have that noah was in his family were the remnant or the ones that god saved and then god gave judgment and he flooded the earth and everything that was on the earth it rained for how long 40 days, 40 and, 40 days, days. and 40 nights man can you imagine like I can't, I can't even imagine like the people's reaction when they saw that it was raining and it was just like, it ain't stopping. It yeah. ain't stopping. And it said under the earth exploded and then gushes yeah. water, gushes or fountains bust open and then yeah. it was coming from both ends, top and bottom. Yeah. And then the reason I want to say that why it flooded for so long and there was so much water, he had to kill those giants off who were super tall. He couldn't just have like a flood that was like four feet high. He had to flood those judge, I mean those Nephilim and kill them off. He did. He did have to kill uh, off the Nephilim. And, um, you know, it's interesting. There's a lot of, uh, this is a little bit off track. We'll talk more about this when we talk about Christianity and science. But this is why you have the fossils of sea creatures found up in the Himalaya mountains. Mm. Uh, It's because the water covered the whole world, even the mountains. And I think this is probably why, out of all the world religions, you know, north of 90% of them have a flood story. There's just so much evidence to show that this happened. So it's, uh, it's, uh, I know it's a little bit off topic for this. But no, I mean, it's an interesting, interesting fact, and it, it, you know, it's relevant. So what are your thoughts on the post-judgment? What happened after the flood? What's going on after the flood now? Right, so there's actually some very interesting things that are going on uh, after the flood, and there are some changes that take place on the world. So the end of the flood occurs in Genesis 8. Um, and the result of the flood is that God uh, says there will be seasons, that seasons will ever endure, as will day and night, so long as the earth remains, Genesis 8.22. So now there's seasons. Mm-hmm. The weather, the climate, all of that has changed. It's no longer this summer tropical paradise that what it was before. Now we have spring, summer, fall, and winter. And God is promising that we will continue to have spring, summer, fall, and winter so long as the earth endures. He's also promising that we will have day and night so long as the earth endures. Um, and he also promises that he will not flood the world again so long as the world, uh, that earth endures. And he gives us the rainbow as a sign of his covenant for that. So my thoughts about like after the flood and, you know, seeing everything from a different perspective, because that's how we're showing it. We're showing how and how to have a paradigm switch of thinking about Noah's flood, the days of Noah, and just everything about judgment. And when I look at this, I'm amazed by the skillfulness and the wisdom of God that, you know, the corruption of the man's seed that was going on, God was able to stop it before it became permanent and before it became um, 
You know, there's nothing Eternal. that could be done. Yeah. And then that God was protecting his word. God had already spoken that Jesus was going to come. And if you know anything about God in the Bible, God is very adamant that you can trust his word and that whatever comes out of his mouth, it is going to happen. Like you can bank on it. You can invest on it. It's going to happen. And that's what Satan's always try to do is try to make the people or make it seem like God's word is untrustworthy. But the Bible says that God watches to protect his word. God actively seeks to make sure all everything that comes out of his mouth comes to pass and you know this was an attempt to stop jesus to coming into the world but because god had already said it god had obligations to make sure he did everything possible to protect that jesus jesus enters the earth realm to save mankind so i'm amazed at just seeing how much god fights for us and how much god you know works for us behind the scene and then it goes uncredited and then oh, god yeah. is charged as being the bad guy yeah, and and when you take a deeper dive in the stories we just have, it's not the case at all. Mm -hmm. It's not the case at all. Um, the promises I talked about just a moment ago, I think promises of hope that mm -hmm. the world will endure and, and that people will endure going forward. Uh, I also think, though, there is a, a similarity between the story of Noah and the story of Jesus. Um, in, in Noah, humanity is filled with evil. It's in danger of being lost. Noah's living righteously. He's following God. There's a judgment poured out on humanity so that, and, and then Noah is saved. And also the human race is saved because the taint of the Nephilim and all of a sudden is, is, it's been removed. It's been excised. So that's the heroic medicine treatment that we talked about earlier in this podcast. Uh, the story of Jesus is very similar. Humanity is filled with evil. It is in danger of being lost, separated from God forever. And then a man, Jesus, lives righteously. He follows God. He's perfect. He dies for us, and that is the judgment that Jesus paid uh, for our sins, for my sins, for your sins, for everybody's sins who are listening to this. Um, and now those of us who believe in Jesus will be, will be saved. And at the end of this story, uh, both Noah and Jesus is a promise from God. At the end of the story of Noah, it is about how uh, there will never be a flood that comes upon the earth wiping out humanity again. The end of Jesus is about those who place their faith and trust in him will be saved and have everlasting life. So it is very similar uh, threads in both of these stories, which I actually hadn't noticed uh, for a long time. And it's a warning unto the people. It is and a warning. Unto yes. us to heed and take advantage of the lifeboat. Like I said before, most people focus on the fact that most people want to throw God in on the part of saying he judged it and killed, you know, killed everybody. But no, let's focus on the part that he created a way out. And like we said, Noah was out there preaching. He was warning the people. And the same day that Jesus is warning the people, how you say, how is Jesus warning the people? He's using his people, us, the church, yes, as the method to warn and preach to the people and the masses of saying, you know, stick you know come to christ come to god under his protection he will protect you from the judgment you know you know submit unto him and you know i mentioned before that this was a mercy this was a mercy judgment it really was and let me explain about that you know how this was a mercy judgment and how i see god you know as you said heroic measures and how i see god as the hero in this noah yes he is the hero because he helped in the instrument that saved mankind but god is the hero because if it wasn't for god to tell noah Noah would have just not known what to do or anything like that. So God is the He'd have been lost. Yeah, he would have been, been lost too. Yeah, and so, all of humanity would have died at mm -hmm. that point. So no, um, God is the hero of this. And, you know, most people see judgment, especially when God is giving out harsh and mean punishments. They say he's cruel. 
Here, the paradigm switch is, what if judgment from God is actually mercy? You know, um, yes, you know, man was evil, but there was a bigger problem than just like the seven deadly sins of people being violent. There was a bigger problem of the Nephilim taking the human blood and taking the human DNA. And this would have wiped out humankind forever. And we would have been some kind of half-breed creation that would not have been able to receive salvation. Jesus wouldn't have been able to come. There would have been no salvation available for mankind because mankind would technically not exist. We would be some kind of weird half-breed um, thing. And whether after, even though Alex and I explained who the Nephilim were in our past episodes and all that stuff, even if you still don't believe that the Nephilim were a hybrid of angels and humans, even if you don't believe that, like Alex said earlier, sin is a cancer. And so if that cancer would have infected everybody, like, you know, unfortunately, if a person has, you know, a piece of cancer in them, what they try to do is cut out that specific piece that's the problem. And if they don't, it becomes terminal. Yeah. And then they, they die. Yeah. So the, the best thing to do is to, as a mercy, whether it be amputating a hand or a foot or whatever part it is, is like, I'm sorry that you have to lose that piece, but to save the overall body we're going to have to cut ways with that piece that has the cancer in it. And it's just the same way. That was a mercy. You know, that's a mercy that we say that the doctors use. And another example that's a mercy that came to my memory is in Genesis 3, 22 through 23. This is when God, quote unquote, kicks out Adam and Eve or banishes them from the garden. You know, most people think because he ate the fruit, you know, just because he ate that fruit, God kicked him out then. God said, God actually says, hmm, man now knows good and evil. And so lest they eat of the fruit of life and live permanently in their fallen state, I need to kick them out. I need to kick them out. And you might say, that's harsh that God kicked them out of, you know, his presence out of the Garden of Eden. But that was actually a mercy that God said, okay, you're going to have to get out of here for your own sake. Because if you eat of that tree, there's a chance you might eat of that tree and then you'll live forever. And then you'll have a bigger problem that you'll be stuck in your um, sin state forever. You know, even though Jesus you know, we come and all that stuff, it won't be able to help you. You know, we don't know the spiritual implications of eating from that fruit, but I'm just kind of throwing my thoughts out there, seeing it from a different light. That that was an act of mercy that God says, you're going to have to get out the ark, get out the garden for your, for your sake. You know, there's also now that we're talking about uh, punishment or judgment as being an act of mercy. Uh, you know, we've all heard that people who love, the parents who love their children are going to discipline them mm -hmm. when they do wrong. That's in Proverbs uh, 3. So here's another example. You know, we're we're like uh, God's creation, and He loves us. So He had to uh, He had to punish the the wrongdoing, set us straight, doing the right thing. Because you don't want your kids to just wallow in the wrong thing, continue to do the wrong stuff. It'd be like if you're a parent and your kid has a drug habit, and you just let this go, let this go, and eventually that person's going to die. Drugs lead to death in the end, one way or another. And, you know, as a parent, you're not going to allow your kid to just continue on using heroin or snorting coke or whatever it is going to be. Mm -hmm. You want to intervene. You want to show them this is not right. There's a better path. Um, and in this case, humanity is out sleeping with demons. They are engaging presumably in witchcraft and all this other stuff. And, and God's like, I want to show you a different way. This is not right. This is this is bad. This, mm -hmm. is, this is very awful for you in the long term. And I want to show you this, this other way. And... and in that case, you know, it's a sign of his love that he, he went through with this instead of just letting his people run off and continue doing destructive things to themselves exactly. and everyone around them. Exactly. And, you know, like I said before, people want to assume that they know what God needs to do as being God in his role. But you know what? 
God has a job he has to do. He's God over all existence. And whether, you know, most people just want God just to be there to get them out of trouble when they have problems, give them healing, give them prosperity blessings, give them favor. You know, they, they just want God for that aspect. If you want God involved in life, in the earth, and all that kind of stuff, you gotta you're, getting, walk with him. you're getting all of God, 100%. You're not getting the certain pieces of him that you like. You're going to get all of God. Just like when you're married to somebody, you know, one day when I get married, you know, I'm not just going to accept just the good part that she's beautiful and she's this and this, this and that, and she cooks for me or she does this. I got to accept all of it, you know, whether it's the good, bad, and the ugly. So not saying that God has bad, but I'm just saying you got to accept all of it. You can't just pick and choose which aspects of God you want in your life. And you got you to gotta have fellowship with him, mm -hmm. too. You can't just use God as, oh, he's the genie in the bottle like that's not how this works if you want the blessings and and good things to flow from god you gotta walk with him and you gotta be uh, obedient to him you've gotta you've gotta be the loyalist not this traitorous rebel that is fighting you you gotta you've gotta submit to god as the king as his authorities so. exactly so I hope everyone has enjoyed our episode on what I would call a mercy judgment. I know that some people that might be an oxymoron or a paradox, but it's the truth. It was a mercy judgment, and I hope you understood where we were coming from. Now, our next episode is going to be our last episode for this series of the Days of Noah. And so we're gonna we've been talking about a lot a lot of the past, like what are, what were the past implications? What was going on in the past? Trying to understand the Under past. Yeah. And now we're going to bring it to the present. Because Matthew 24 tells us yep. these days are coming again. And so we have to talk about how does all of this relevant to today and, and the future. what is to come. Exactly. Yeah. We've, we've been in the past. Now it's time to bring all this knowledge and all this information to our present and then seeing it to our future. So tune in next week where it is going to be our final episode of just a series. Not our final episode ever, just of the series because we got some other things coming up. Yes, the days of Noah coming again. <laughs> yes. So um, you have anything else to add, Alex? I, I, so people, I hope people take away from this that God is a God of mercy mm -hmm. at the end of all of this and that he's not cruel and he's not mean and he's not filled with rage at people. He loves you and he wants you to come and walk with him and he wants you to choose him. And so I, I want, I, I hope that that is the big takeaway from, from all of this. Mm -hmm. And even when Jesus talked about like when he comes back and he talks about like when he comes back and his judgment that he's going to bring when he brings the second coming, he just says judgment will be upon your actions. It's not based on what I think or anything. I'm just going to judge you according to what you have done. We all have a choice. Yeah, it's, it's, it's what you have done is what you have said. These are the, your own actions. And I don't want to go on a tangent because we can stay here forever. But I know I saw this one clip of like someone, you know, mimicking or trying to illustrate what it's going to be like on the judgment seat of Christ. And it was a woman talking, you know, talking with God and God was going over what he's going to, you know, do for her judgment. And he was just like, hey, I'm only judging you based on what you did. These are the actions that you did. I'm not pulling things out of a hat. I'm not blaming you for anything else. I'm blaming, you know, we're going over the actions you did. And, you know, she was trying to point her fingers and say, well, this happened because of this. And I did this because of this. She's like, okay, I understand that. But you still did this. So I have to judge your actions on what you did. Right. So it's not God that's the, God is not the villain. God is not the villain. God is the hero of every story. Because he, he creates the he creates the way out, and our way out of um, being on the as you would say the bad side of God is through Jesus Christ, and there's no other way. And thank God that that is true. Uh, you know, uh, Christianity is the only world religion that has God coming down to meet man. In every other religion, it is man trying to reach God, 
and man having to do good and outweigh the bad, and there's no way to be certain whether this will be achieved, but God tells us, just believe in me and repent from your sins, and you will be saved, and we can be confident in him that we are on the right side of things at the end of all of this. Mm -hmm. And I think that is a real big comfort, especially in the crazy times we live in today. It is a real comfort, but I mean, we, that would be a whole other episode. I was going to say something, but we had, we got to stop. We got to stop right there. But I hope our listening audience enjoyed listening to the Paradigm Switch episode today. Remember, we're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. Like, follow, and share. Share with your friends. Share with your family. You know, what do you think? Do you think God is merciful? Do you think God is kind after everything we laid out? So tune in next week. Remember, this is the Paradigm Switch. We are the number one Christian podcast out there. <laughs> so I'm claiming it. I'm speaking it into existence now. So tune in next week where we conclude the days of Noah.